This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay Review, this conversation is ending starting right now by Knapsack. It's pretty much everything I like in a record. They're keeping you interested all the time in what's going on. I do have a criticism, despite the love fest that's going on here. The ingredients they work with here don't change very much. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I am your host, Tim Manici, and joining me once again, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Mr. Jason Ziak, you have suggested an album for us. True? What? Did you suggest the album we're reviewing this week? I did. I did. <laughs> Hello? I, we started the show. Did you know that? <laughs> no. Where are we? <laughs> What's going on? What day is it? Okay. So, yeah, I suggested you, this record. Yeah, you picked this record, and it's mm-hmm. a record that I had never heard before. So that's a good one that you picked. In fact, really? it was a band that I had never heard before. Yeah, I know. I'm going to get into that. So you picked huh. the album This Conversation is Ending, starting right now by Knapsack. And tell me about your um, – how did you come – or how did you come about uh, discovering Knapsack? Uh, not a huge story. I think I'm pretty sure this was a Napster band. I found okay. Napsack on Napster. Na- naturally. Uh, what's up? Naturally. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I actually, you know, there's a good handful of bands that I, that I found, you know, when this evil music service was up and eventually, you know, got into it and sort of, you know, tracked down their catalogs and bought despite what everybody thinks about file sharing. Um, so it was just one of those things, you know, you, you, you find one person who has some music that you like and you start downloading more stuff. And next thing you know, you discover all these bands you didn't know even existed. Mm-hmm. So that was really it. I knew nothing about the band, sort of just grabbed it with some other stuff, started listening to it, was really blown away about, uh, you know, just had no idea a band like this even existed. So, um, you know, like I said, got some of the, the other the other stuff over the years and really wanted an opportunity kind of selfishly to go back and um, revisit this album in particular and and uh, hear what you thought of it and see how I felt about it with a, with a little distance. Well, let's get into the history of the band. History of the band. So Knapsack formed in 1993 at the University of California, Davis, by Blair Sheehan on vocals and guitar. Kobe Mancasola on drums. They were high school friends, and they added Jason Borkos on guitar and Rod Mayer on bass. They recorded a single for Goldenrod Records in 1994 and then signed with Alias Records for their first album, which was Silver Sweepstakes, released in 1995. At this point, Jason Borkos left the band. I don't know if he was replaced by anybody because it didn't say so on, on Wikipedia. I'm assuming he was. So their second album, Day Three of My New Life, was released in 1997. At this point, Rod Meyer on bass was replaced by Sergei, Sergei Lubkoff, of the, formerly of the band Sam I Am. And in 1998, their third album, the last one, the one we're reviewing, this conversation is ending right now, was released. It was produced by Mark Trombino of Drive Like Jehu. The mm-hmm. band broke up two years later in 2000, and Blair Sheehan went on to form the band 
the Jealous Sound, which just was it last year or yeah, it was 2012. Didn't they put out an album 2012? Yep. Yes. There you go. That's long the history. Awaited. Yeah, long. It was much different time between the two records. Yeah. Right? Or, or, yeah. Releases. Uh, so that's it. If you would like to suggest a band for review, visit a request a review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. Normally, we would get to the Facebook feedback section of the uh, podcast right here. And uh, I'm here to tell you that this particular album got more Facebook feedback than any album ever. It might have gotten more than all previous Facebook feedbacks combined. We got, we got 30 comments and over 50 likes of this record. So needless to say, this is a this is an album that stirred up a lot of passion. Mm. I'm going to sample some of it. And uh, we're going to go through some of the what some of the people said. Uh, Christy Solomon said at the drive-in opened up for Knapsack, Knapsack in 1998 on Knapsack's last tour before breaking breaking up. I saw them at New York City in New York City at Tramps. So that's an interesting combo at the drive-in opening up mm. for knapsack sean bergen oh my god this rules i just stumbled across this page um he posted a picture of a set list which you want to go to the our, this thread on our facebook page uh from the tour that they were on with at the drive-in and then also arches of loaf on the tour mm. a lot of this is my favorite album this is the best album a lot of those sorts of uh, comments. Christy also chimed in with, Blair Sheehan's voice is awesome. The first two Knapsack albums are equally amazing, if not better. Uh, check them out live. They do not disappoint. Uh, lots of praise for this record, Jay. Almost, I would say, pretty much universal praise in, our, in the 30 comments, both for the band and for this particular record. Mm. So this is your pick, which means... I get to go first. Yes, yes, yes. Is it worthy of all that praise? Is it worthy of the most feedbacked (laughs) Facebook post in the history of Dig Me Out at this moment? Uh, Is is the conversation on Napstack just starting or is it ending right now? Uh, I'm going to have to side with the people who say that this is a great record. I'm actually pretty pissed off at... 1990s tim for not knowing about this record because this would have made a huge impact on me had i heard this album um it's pretty much everything i like in a record it has a very in your face production style which i like the guitars just sound so big and they're just blaring at you um and they do a great job with the two guitar attack of one will be playing a palm muted chord progression and the other one will be doing a riff that parallel to that. I really like Blair Sheehan's voice. I think it's the one person I was trying to think of that he reminded me of, and it's not a direct comparison, but it's just in the way that he uses it is Aaron Perino of the Sheila divine. He's able Mm. to get like breathy and intimate with his vocal Mm -hmm. in verses. And then scream but scream melodically in the choruses where it's not like off-putting it becomes anthemic yeah which makes the choruses sound huge it's weird because 
in retrospect, I didn't really listen to any what you would consider like emo or emo pop or pop punk, whatever whatever you want to clarify or uh, uh, categorize this as. You know, in re- going going back, I've listened to the early Jimmy Eat World stuff. It really started for me with like Jimmy Eat World's Bleed American album, which then became the just the Jimmy Eat World album. And Hey Mercedes and Hot Rod Circuit, some of the like the 2000, 1992 mm-hmm. thousand bands, yep. and I sort of missed the mid '90s emo movement. I know that like the Sunny Day Real Estate is considered it, but I, Sunny Day Real Estate seems to be playing a different game. Like their end of the emo is a, just a different. It's a different can, approach. Can I frame that up a little bit and see if you yeah. agree? Um, I feel like Sunny Day Real Estate comes from a little well. They come from a uh, pretty uh, distinctively more uh, classic rock direction in terms of emo. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like musically, there's more references there to say Led Zeppelin or even Pink Floyd or whatever. You know, uh, yes, mm-hmm. what you know, you could start just not that they're overt, but you can kind of hear a little bit more direct connection. Um, I would say Knapsack is thoroughly a modern band. I don't think oh, yeah. you hear any, uh, even though, you know, you got the, the, the chunky guitars there and, um, you know, the big drums and the dynamics and everything. I don't think it's very difficult to make any one-to-one sort of comparisons between, you know, a lot of this and something that happened prior, but it's still very um, sort of easy to digest and, you know, um, pop or commercial sounding you know it's not challenging in any way but it's thoroughly modern and and unique yes absolutely i it's i guess if you were narrowly defining what emo is then i think this album does provide not some challenges but it definitely takes some turns that i think other emo bands didn't uh an example would be like a song like cold enough to break Mm -hmm. which is really where the album takes its first breather it's mm-hmm. a quieter slower song and they introduce cello and sleigh bells and i hope it's not too late for the man who's less than brave and no one can will tell me but no one can tell tonight the charges call collect fawning over the failed attempt and I am failing you and there are answers I'll never tell sharing rooms with cancer cells I am not immune and call out works perfectly within the context of that song but if you were sort of a you know very strict emo pop whatever loyalist you might consider that to be i don't know uh stretching out a little too far 
going for more of a it's it's weird because I did read some negative reviews where they talked about this being an attempt at making a commercial album, which I kind of laugh at because this is it's to me it sounds so immediate and raw that yeah. it never would have any gotten anywhere close to commercial radio back in 1998. I mean, this was just way beyond what what was going on on the radio at that point. This to me sounds way closer to you know the, un- the underground bands that were, I guess, like Texas is the reason and Get Up Kids and and those sorts of bands were were clearly not going for uh, commercial radio play. They were going for it was all about touring and and playing in front of all ages crowds and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, it, uh, on the point of cold enough to break, if you parallel it to that, so I would consider that a ballad. So. Yeah, sort of a, an emo ballad, right? It's a very different approach than, say, somebody like Dashboard Confessional, which is probably, you know, obviously way more successful in terms of being known as emo. And, you know, for the most part, the, those acoustic songs are kind of ballady. So that's way more over the top, like in terms of to the extreme of like sort of whininess and everything that's stereotypical about emo. And this mm-hmm. is way more subtle and and much more, what's the right word, elegant or sophisticated in terms of like how that song is constructed mm-hmm. and the pieces of parts that are that are used there to um to make a really really effective song. But I don't know if it says, you know, I don't know if you throw that on the radio. If it, not to say it couldn't be a hit, but it doesn't quite, I guess, hit you over the head the way that maybe like a dashboard confessional would, you know? So if you're comparing the two, it's, it's yes, I guess you could put them under the same basic umbrella, but they couldn't be further apart in terms of their overall sort of end result. The one thing that I found myself having difficulty with is usually you can write when you're describing a song, like this song has really good dynamics or this song lacks dynamics, whatever. It tend to be something that I pick up on pretty quickly. The problem is this album is pretty much just riddled with dynamics. (laughs) There's, I think it's part of the genre that they're, you know, sort of coming from where you're always playing with a loud, soft dynamic. You're always playing with starts and stops and, you know, whispers and screams, which is fine. It just becomes hard to then not differentiate the songs because it can clearly differentiate them. But just in terms of trying to describe what's going on in terms of the volume at one point of the song or the or the vocal delivery in another part, it becomes yeah. it, it almost becomes like well, they're just all doing really cool dynamics, and you could maybe well, pick out one or two things in the songs like the, like in, we mentioned with the sleigh bells and the cello for the ballad, the one ballad. It's a clinic and how to do a lot with basically pretty simple ingredients like Mm -hmm. they have a couple different guitar tones they use um vocally he's got you know a couple different aspects of his voice you know either quiet or or loud and you know drum wise you know he's just using a standard kit you know bass wise just you know pretty standard bass tone but they orchestrate all that in a way and even the production of the record is done in a way where they're always sort of giving you these sort of 
building and then deconstructing and uh, stops and starts. They're keeping you interested all the time in what's going on, but they're not doing it in a way that I think some bands in the genre do it in a way that's more like, you know, sort of mathy and technical, you know, the say at the drive-in or even um, Hot Rod Circuit, you know, it's Mm -hmm. sort of bombastic and it's about, you know, these um, gymnastics of, you know, time signature changes and stops and starts and stuff. And they're way more like subtle about it and um, not as quite in your face about that stuff. They do it through volume, through shifting uh, guitar tones. They do it through like some lo-fi effects on the record, you know, where they sort of EQ it. So it sounds kind of thin and strange and then all of a sudden crank it back, you know, crank it back to normal. I love how they you mentioned the production of this record is very dry you know it's very intimate um but there's some moments where they kind of pull it back and it and it becomes more room sounding so there's this like they pull you in and it's like you know you're right there and he's he's like you know the vocals like right there in your head and your ear and then all of a sudden they'll do a part where you know they do a little production trick and it sort of sounds more roomy and it's distant and then they pull you back in again and they're just this journey of like kind of coming in close and then moving away and that I think works really well. That, that's one of the reasons why I picked this record of the three, which I was, I was glad to see that, you know, in the comments there didn't, there seemed to be sort of a consensus that this was maybe their best record or people's favorite record. I mm-hmm. think in the case of bands like this, it seems like the trend is usually the first record is the one everybody loves. And then as the band progresses and um, refines stuff or, maybe tries to become more commercial or whatever it is in the, in the case of the band you know the, the hardcore fans tend to fall away or not like that record as much and right seems like everybody appreciates this one and, and and i think that it's the one not that the other two are dramatically different but it's the one where i think the production and the overall package of the songs and even the length of the record and, and just the sequencing every everything was really well done you know i think the other two tend to be sort of just a group of songs, you know, and I think this feels of the three feels most like a thorough, you know, contained record. I do have a criticism, despite the love fest that's going on here. I do have a, a mild criticism. I, I really like Sheen's voice. 
-hmm. he has that kind of voice where it's not spectacular, but he's always in tune and he's always like where he needs to be at the right moment of the song in terms of if he's whisp if it, if the song calls for it to be kind of whispery or restrained that's where he is and if it calls for him to exert his scream that's where he is however he kind of sticks to a certain set of phrasings and cadences from song to song mm. and it it just it was just something that I picked up on where I started tuning him out a little bit more and listening to the music more so than I do with a lot of bands because of the fact that I was feeling like I'd heard the melody before. That, I, that this was this was something that I heard previously in, in you know three songs ago, and I haven't listened to much Jealous Sound. I'll be honest, so I don't know if he still sings that way. But that was my only knock, and I, I actually yeah. I like his voice, and I like I think he has wrote some interesting lyrics as well. It's I just found him to be repeating himself. Did you notice that at all? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's one of the things I love about the band, and that's one of the limitations of the band overall. Is um, like I said, the the ingredients they work with here don't change very much, and part of that is his vocal range and his you know his abilities at least at this point with melody and phrasing. So that's why I think like this record, 10 songs, just enough, you know, uh, mm -hmm. the longest one is four four forty two. Um, it, it's just the right amount of, of it before you start to realize maybe on repeated listens, you'll start to realize, you know, obviously the, the similarities in some of the, the melodies and things, but you know, if you just, go through it one time and come back to it and you know a little bit later and you, you, it's just enough that you don't over i don't think it doesn't fall apart i think if there were more songs and the songs were longer it, it would mm -hmm. um the gel sound you know in general i think he that band pushes things a little further than knapsack did in, in some areas they're, they're very similar i mean you'll 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 be able to tell it's the same singer and it's definitely in the same if you like this band you'll like that band but uh you know, they, they, they go a little bit further than the knapsack did, but, uh, you know, it's one of those trade-offs, you know, like I said, I, I love the idea of the minimal, the minimal attitude here and, in, 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 in creative direction about, you know, let's, let's keep the pieces that we use, um, within our comfort zone and see how far we can take that, you know, what can we do in terms of how we construct these pieces, how we play together you know, how we stop and start, how we layer things, who we focus on, how we shift that focus, how we change tempos, you know, how can we play with all of those pieces, but keep it from a tone standpoint and from a, just a general, like, you know, phrasing and approach standpoint, this, you know, consistent. I, I love the, the uh, speaking of the tone, I love the, just the overall sound of this record. Like we said, it's very dry, very intimate, but just the mix of the instruments and the, the way his voice He's kind of got a nasally, a little bit of a nasally voice. He's kind of up in the, not that he sings high, but, you know, you can tell he kind of forces maybe his speaking voice a little bit higher when he sings. It just sits perfectly with the, with the sort of fuzzed out guitars and the, mm -hmm. the overdriven guitars. You can tell uh, if you listen to the guitar tone on this, it, it sounds almost like direct in or at least I was very say heavy, that. On, heavy on like a f effects pedals and not necessarily yeah. guitar tone. And I normally not a fan of that, but man, they do it really well to the point where 
it sounds great. And it's in no way a detraction from from the sound of the record. It actually adds to it. You know, it actually it adds to that sense of it being right there in your head. You know, when you're listening to it, that it's not an amp across the room. It's you know a guitar plugged straight into your head almost. <laughs> kind of feel. Yeah, like on um, changes all the rage. It's probably I think in terms of guitar tone, like the heaviest. Mm-hmm. And it actually it does sound like almost like a direct, you know, uh, guitar, which we mean like, muff. yeah, it's just so huge, and yep. it's I don't know if there's compression that's keeping it from getting all, you know too distorted or fuzzy, but mm-hmm. it is it's massive, and you don't I don't really I didn't really expect that from this sort of band. I expect you know overdriven guitars and and some distortion, but it like. And it, I think it's also because of the way that the song is written. It's sort of like has this like chugging kind of mm. palm muted feel to it. makes it sound even heavier but that's a tone that like kim thayall would be proud to <laughs> play with like it is it is really heavy yeah and that's what's interesting like i said earlier about this record is that you know it's you you, you kind of get some notions like that like like you said kim thayall or like there's parts where it kind of gets i don't want to say metally but you know in that hard rockish with the palm muting and stuff but it's not they somehow managed to do it in a way that you would never describe this as a heavy record or, a, no. you know, or you'd even be able to like say, oh, well, that's, you know, they're influenced by Black Sabbath or whatever. Like it never gets to that point. It's, I guess the closest thing I could think of is it's kind of what the Foo Fighters have become in a weird way. Like they're this modern rock band that you can't quite ever they're they're like kind of almost generic to the point where it's generic where it's like mm-hmm. you know what i mean you can't really pinpoint where their influences are coming from and they're just you know modern but not derivative in any way um you know this band is obviously it it's kind of the same same idea and uh you know i just wish i wish they were bigger because you know they they do this genre in a way that i think so many people uh would it would have been embraced I think, you know, commercially a lot more than what we ended up getting, which was easy to sort of stereotype and write off and became kind of derivative into this power punk kind of, you know, what it what it became. But, you know, I think that they do it in a, in a way more sophisticated and subtle way, but still with the mm-hmm. same intent, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's just like a it's also a confidence, you know, they're they know exactly what they want to do. 
on each song. They're not they don't stretch too much in terms of songwriting or in terms of um, what sounds they're using. They're just they just know they're very comfortable with writing the three and a half minute long. You know, I don't think there's one song. I think looking over my notes, I think Cinema Stare uh, is really the only song for me that's kind of steps out a little bit. You yeah, know, it has that like that, stomp. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of like a power poppy kind of jellyfishy kind of kind of feel to it. that's really the only song where they they step out a little bit you know in mm-hmm. terms of of that and you know i appreciate it. it's not one it's probably my least favorite song on the record it's not that it's awful but you know they they tried you know just extend it a little bit and then pull it back into where i think they're more comfortable in it you know they, and they know how to how to work better i don't think that there are if, if i recall there are, there are almost no guitar solos on this There's record. some leads, lead, lead yeah. kind of things towards the end of some of the songs. I don't know if you'd call them solos, but well, at the end of um, "Shape of the Fear," mm-hmm. uh, he does like these big two-note bends before the last chorus of the song. It's like sort of a bridge section, mm-hmm. um, but it's like the closest they come to an actual solo. But it's not. I mean, it's basically just you know taking two strings and hitting them and bending the one and getting a really big, you know, noise out of that. But that's about it. I mean, yeah, the guitar technic, uh, the technical ability of the guitar is strictly limited to, like you said, the leads and the riffing. There's, it's, they're not showing off with, you know, two minute long solos or, and they're they, they stay away the, from noise too, which is nice. Yeah. They don't do the goofy thing where, you know, a lot of bands, in the 90s where it was like okay this is where we put the solo but we're a 90s band and we can't play guitar solos anymore so we'll just like make weird noises or <laughs> they don't do that vocal crap melody. either yeah. yeah they don't do that stuff either it's like you know if we're not going to do a solo we're not going to do a solo like you know sometimes they'll do like a little vocal bridge of some sort or break in there but in most cases they just move on with the song which I appreciate <laughs> and, and they do something really I think effective on this record. They start with the chorus a lot, or they at least start with the vocal right out of the gate. You know, mm-hmm. it's there's not some big musical setup, and 
evolving into a verse it's you know i'd say a good uh, half of these songs you know it's right into the vocal a couple of them it's you know they actually start with a chorus which is you know we've talked about in the past is you know in terms of being concise in pop songwriting that's that's the path to having stuff having hits and having things that people remember you know you get to the hook right away and you you know set it up and then you you sort of evolve the song after that um and they're smart enough to do that on here which is i really appreciated the last song in the record please shut off the lights which is mm-hmm. an oddly appropriate title considering that after that song the band shut off the lights in reading the lyrics I, you know i read through his lyrics for most of the songs and they're interesting and he had some good lines here and there but um, I'm interested in your take on that song because I kind of I it has some odd dynamics first of all in that song which we'll get to but the lyrical content I was trying to figure out if it's a suicide song or not um, did you read it all into the lyrics Mm-mm. do you have them handy no I'd have to look them up uh, but I'll mention the dynamic thing first though uh, it's it's sort of the opposite of the rest of the record where the verses are up tempo and kind of poppy. And then when yeah. they get to the chorus, it actually like drops down in terms of tempo. Yeah. The, the, the shift, there's a lot more shifts in that song and it has a, uh, like a drum intro, which is, I don't think any other song has. And it uses, um, like an affected drum sound mm-hmm. where the drums yeah. sound kind of small and then they switch over to big. Be curious to hear how some of that stuff worked out live, like if that came across live properly, or if they did some other tricks to make that, you know, the way they played them to, to to achieve that dynamic. So the the last part of the song goes, "I only have I have only one regret. At the moment, I forget any takers on this life, and if you're the last one left, this is my request: could you just shut off the lights?" Um, and there's some other references to wraps around the cord. I don't know. It's pretty. It's just a very depressing song <laughs> overall. Well, it is emo. Yeah, I guess that's but, true. Yeah, you I know mean, this. Uh, nothing gets me nowhere. No, I am no. I am larger than this lie. Our generations. Blah blah blah. Yeah, I guess it is emo. I guess I should not read too much into the fact that it sounds pretty depressing. That maybe that's just in general. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's depressing sometimes, and it gets a little like diaryish, but. It's never like whiny, you know. I think that's, I don't know. To me, that's one of the big turnoffs for for any of the bands in the genre. It's like, oh, geez, you know, it just gets so personal and so, you know, I don't know, like just melodramatic that it turns you off. I think this stuff is, it has enough universal appeal and just the way he delivers it with sort of confidence. It doesn't ever come off that way to me. And that's what makes it different vocally and lyrically. Yeah. All right, so let's get to a rating on this record. I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna shock you and go with a worthy album, which is no shock at all. I mean this it's such a nice, concise album with just song after song of interesting dynamics and interesting guitar interplay and the drums and the bass just lock in on every song and his vocal dynamics and range is it just all works together. It it feels like a band that's been playing together and that just know what they're doing with the sounds that they want to make. And 
it flies by. Like you listen to it and you're like, damn, that's a quick 30 minutes. This, and it's it's great that an album that came out in 1998 in the height of the CD era was thoughtful enough, that a band was thoughtful enough to just say, we're just going to play the best 10 songs we have and do that and not worry about trying to fill up this CD. Yeah, you I'm done, You could have done another 10 songs and you still wouldn't have filled it up at that rate. Yeah. So um, it reminded me, like, there were elements of this band that I, you know, like I mentioned, like, Hey Mercedes and Jimmy Eat World and Hot Rod Circuit. Some other bands that I heard were, like, like Promise Ring and The Anniversary and Save the Day, those sorts of bands. I'm mm-hmm. sure if you're familiar with those bands, you're probably familiar with this band. If you're familiar with this band, you're probably familiar with those bands. I'm not but saying if, anything if, that's, like, you know, shocking. If you think some. If you're turned off by some of those bands, you may still like this band. Yeah. I think if you were into like even like a Weezer, especially like the Pinkerton yeah. album, which a lot of these bands, you know, cite as being the an emo influence, I think you could, you know, obviously Weezer's coming from a much more pop end of it, but there's pop in these songs too, so. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, are you at uh, are you at an EP or a single gem? Not sure. <laughs> Oh man, I guess I'm gonna have to go with an album. No, yeah, I love this album, and um, you know, I appreciate it on the revisit. Um, in terms of the, like I said, the the minimalist approach to it, I think, in in the idea that I think they took, they recognized what they did best, and they they really honed it, and they edited themselves really well, and they put their best material. Um, they put some, a lot, you know, some some thought into um, how to produce it, or some, you know, the producer did it at least, and, and how to use that production to bring this band, you know, across in the best possible way, uh, which I love. And honestly, I mean, this is one of the records I've listened to recently that you know it's really kind of inspired me to want to record and write music. You know, just revisiting this and listening to what they were doing with with some of these ideas that. You know, fairly simple, but just put together in such a such a really special way. So, yeah, I, I enjoy the chance to go back and check it out again. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you bringing it to the podcast because it's a uh, was a, a gaping hole in my emo pop listening history. So now that hole has been filled. I should have got and, this to you sooner. I don't know what I was doing. Yeah, what the hell, man? I rely on you for <laughs> musical suggestions, and you totally held back on me. I assumed you'd heard it, I guess. I don't know. Mm. No, no. Sorry. But now I have. Sorry. And now I will listen to those other two albums, too. So uh, send them on over. And some jealous sound. Okay, and some jealous sound. Yep, definitely. All right, well, we hope uh, we have properly uh, revisited this album for all the people on our Facebook page that... We're eagerly anticipating our uh, our review, and we appreciate everybody who chimed in. It was fun to read through all the comments, and if uh, you'd like to make a suggestion of your own, head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com and hit our request a review page. And if you liked what you heard on this episode, head on over to iTunes, leave us some positive feedback. That would do. Uh, that would be uh, a nice uh, gift for us. So uh, that's it for us. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.
Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. I'm sick of feeling bad